Blog Talk Radio. You're at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Well, hello world. <clears throat> Excuse me, I hope you can hear me today. It's uh, in October. October month of uh, a wonderful place in space. We have uh, four seasons, basically where I live, although we don't get snow. But boy, we have four seasons. It's starting to get chilly down here on the Gulf Coast of the United States of America, where I live. They call it the Emerald Coast in this area, Gulf Coast. And I'm in the panhandle of Florida. So welcome aboard, all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet with me and my co-host, Richard T. Knight of Georgia. I'm formerly of Louisiana and Texas and been all over thanks to our Department of Military, Department of Defense, Department of Navy was me, and Richard was Department of Defense, Department of Army and Reserves, and served overseas as well. So uh, we've both been in security, and today we're going to talk about the paranormal ghost stories, hauntings, Halloween, all month of October, if you would like to join us. Uh, We just have nothing on the agenda. We do not write up a script. We do not read off of teleprompters, which you probably know. Whoa. (laughs) I was trying to turn Richard on. Let's see. Wrong button in the studio, Richard. Now, Richard, is that you? (laughs) I'm here. I'm here. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Good. Shall we begin? Where would you like to start today for our ACO club, our cyberspace culture community? We're growing and uh, hopefully have people that want to join us monthly and talk on our radio show. But I'm going to turn it over to you, Ben Pelham. If you're listeners, I've been noticing a lot of you listeners have been. Uh, he's a little under the weather today. You know, he's 84. And, uh, you know, if any of you old guys from our ACO clubs out there in social media want to join us, Ken Johnston, Janet Carolusson, and I'll just let me or Richard know. Uh, Richard, I'm going to man the board while you start giving us an update on why Halloween is maybe, uh, ghost stories, hauntings, paranormal, anything. I'm going to turn it over to you. So I'll be here if you need me, Richard. And I'll let you know if anybody else wants to talk. But you got the floor right now. So thank you, Richard. I'll mute. All right. Well, yes, it is October. And, of course, uh, this is uh, changing into fall officially. Of course, that actually transpired on September the 22nd. Presently, we have a new moon, which is New Beginnings. So for all of you who practice magic and the magical arts out there, This is when you actually begin a project and send it out to the universe in hopes that it is completed and comes to fruition in a couple weeks from now when we have a full moon. Anyway, uh, we hope that all of you are having a splendid season and that, uh, you know, of course, it is a very enjoyable, you know, we're getting away from the summer with the extreme heats here in the south. Uh, and going more towards temperate weather, you know, in the 70s. 
and uh, we would extremely enjoy anyone that is a team lead with any paranormal groups that are out there that actually get out in the field and do paranormal investigations. Uh, those, of course, require uh, sometimes utilizing a sensitive or a medium as well as regular team members that are more electronically uh, inclined with all kinds of technical gadgets and so forth that indicate, you know, when the magnetic field has been disturbed or they can record EVPs by voice recorders and just all kinds of different devices they've developed nowadays. And of course, our televisions have gone to Halifest or Halloween Fest on, on numerous channels, you know, specializing in uh, ghost adventures and uh, different things of that nature. And so to begin with, I would like to specify that basically there really is no such thing as ghosts. Rather, what we have is a division. Uh, the biggest division, of course, is spirits, and those, that are, those are, of course, are those that have, of us that have died or passed over to the, to the other side of the veil. And this occurs with 99% of all persons that actually leave their bodies and pass on to the other side. They are welcomed home. And then, of course, if they so choose, they can come back and visit us, and they can come uh, and appear to us either as orbs, or they can appear to us as shadow figures, or they can even appear to us in scents, you know, leaving a specific scent in your nose or a taste in your mouth, or they can actually appear. Um, usually, sometimes it's just a headshot, like from the shoulders up, and sometimes it's a full-body apparition. Now, the way that we in turn uh, discern as to what's going on precisely is that uh, there is what you call residual energy, which this would be an apparition that appears, whether it be in a kitchen or a particular garage or a workshop or something of that nature or any particular place in the house. And they repetitively do the same thing over and over and over again. And even though you may be standing in a doorway watching them do this, uh, there is no acknowledgement by the apparition that you are present. So there is no communication, there is no interaction with the apparition and you. So these we call residual energy because what it is is it's like a part of the, the person's energy that was in such a repetitive habit of doing a particular thing at a particular time of day in a particular place they continue, their energy continues to stay present enough that in turn uh, the same energetic uh, responses and the same energetic actions continue to transpire. Now, of course, when we do see orbs, the orbs, of course, can be energetic beings that are just floating around orb-like, or they can be uh, pure energy orbs or they can be uh, persons that wish to make contact but are not able to fully produce, say, for example, a full-body apparition or something of that nature. And in turn, of course, we have ghosts, which, which are actually spirits that have come back, and usually they come back and they will work with mediums or through mediums or through channels, and they have come back deliberately to deliver a message to a particular loved one or a friend or someone else that they are very concerned about or they wish to impart knowledge of something that they need to find or that something, you know, for example, a bank account or, or some kind of 
documents left in a in a trust or something or uh, a safety deposit box and where they need to go and open the box and, and you know collect all that's in there for their own benefit and usually you know these messages are very positive and they're very uh, they are very helpful from the aspect being that naturally they help the sons and daughters usually of the relatives that have you know the parents or grandparents that have passed on that left things behind but did not get a chance to show anyone or tell anyone that they were there uh, so that's one example and then of course they are they come through and they leave all kinds of other messages and information uh, through mediums and there are a lot of medium shows out there as well uh, you know there's a Manhattan medium and all kinds of different people that do this, this particular service unto others and they deliver messages from the persons on the other side so that they in turn can tell their uh, relatives that in fact they are okay that is you know they are fine where they are and that they're happy and everything is grand where they are and that you know they're, they're and to make certain that you know they if for example if it's a husband or wife they want to make certain that the husband or wife that is left here physically goes on with life you know to the best of their benefit uh, and to find happiness within life even though you know they they no longer have their company per se and then there's all kinds of other messages that can be given uh, you know uh, but the main thing is you know that the person is told in so many uh, ways and so forth that you know they don't need to be grieving or to be down on themselves for the remainder of their lives rather than they they should discover happiness even with another partner if that be the case um, so then in turn getting back to spirits um, spirits that are actual spirits okay which of course have become termed as ghosts simply because ghost has been the word that has been utilized for a long time to indicate that you know there's an there's an apparition or there is uh, a presence or an entity of some kind haunting a house or haunting a library or haunting an officer haunting they can haunt anywhere basically speaking and the majority of them are coming there uh, out of habit sometimes because they've already gone to the other side and they've already realized exactly who they are as a spirit and out of habit they want to come back and they want to visit specific places that they used to live or that they lived for a very long time and as a result you could say that the place becomes haunted in the fact being that it has a spirit presence as well as you know physical presence by human beings that are physically incarnate and that's how we differentiate between the three you know uh, an apparition is a spirit that isn't attempting to utilize as much energy as they can produce themselves as well as energy in the immediate atmosphere and environment around them so that in turn they can physically appear to the person that is observing them um, an orb of course is just that it's, it's an orb of energy and it can have intelligence and most of the time that it does but on it, for the most part all we can do is take pictures of them we very seldom actually have any kind of communication with the orbs whereas with a spirit yes you can have absolute communication with them uh, they can relate uh, all kinds of different information and again when it comes to spirit or full-body apparitions you have to denote that some of these are also 
uh, residual energy. In other words, uh, you know, if you go to these asylums and mental hospitals and, and uh, prisons and so forth, a lot of the time is what you're running into is residual energy simply because uh, the person that had been imprisoned there uh, or, you know, was confined there, say in a mental ward or what have you, oftentimes left very abruptly and their residual energy is present because they um, are still, there is a part of their energy that still uh, ha is housed in, the, in that confined area or in that environment. Now, a real spirit, of course, if they happen to be haunting one of these places, then in turn, yes, they will actually interact with you. Uh, they can do so sometimes with a lot, of, a lot of electronic machinery, and other times they can outright speak so that you actually physically hear them. They will make noises. They will throw objects. They will close doors. They will do all kinds of things to get your attention to let you know that they are there. And sometimes they come back as stewards to watch over family members that, uh, you know, have inherited large pieces of properties or in mansions and things of that nature. And they come to, to look over them, you know, watch over them and so forth and let them know that, you know, they, they only want the best for the premises and they want the best for the lives of their um, relatives and so forth. So I personally have seen a great many spirits. I have also encountered a great deal of residual energy in my investigations in houses and uh, a few churches and a few businesses and various locations of this nature. Uh, and the majority of the time it is residual energy. There have only been a very few times where there was actually a negative entity presence. And of course, negative entities uh, wish to do harm for the most part. Uh, and they are attempting to uh, trap or convince the individuals that reside in a particular place that they need to stay there or that, you know, uh, they can even uh, make them do things physically to some degree. Now, of course, you know, it, it all depends. When you begin a paranormal investigation, you should ground and center basically while you're outside the property and then once you go into the property, then you do your full-scale full investigation. I would suggest with a sensitive, because naturally sensitives are able to see and communicate with spirits uh, more readily than most people are. And then, of course, you would have your techno wizards, you know, that, that use all the electronic devices and so forth that denote uh, changes in energy and energetic fields and all this kind of thing. And then, of course, you go, you go up into the premises and uh, that in turn, you encounter whatever it is that is to be encountered there. I strongly recommend that you not have a person give you all the details of what they have experienced beforehand, rather that you go ahead and conduct your investigation on your, on your own with your team and gather all the information that you have. And then in turn, once you have left the premises, uh, meet with the family or the owners or whoever it happens to be and compare notes or share with them as to what you have found and then they in turn can also share with you what has been happening previ previously. The reason I suggest this very strongly is simply because if you go into a premises and or a haunted location and you're told exactly what kind of things have been happening and where they've been happening at, your mind automatically sets 
perimeters and expectations as to what you will encounter in those same areas. So it is actually kind of like a spiritual uh, bias in a manner of speaking because you're already expecting to to see or perceive and encounter what this what the people who live there have actually encountered in the past. Whereas if you go in with a clean slate, then everything that you encounter and everything that you perceive and everything that you run into and so on and so forth is completely fresh and new and you don't have any preconceived expectations while you're doing the investigation. And then, of course, like I said, once you exit the investigation from the premises and so on and so forth, you can then sit down with the owners or the persons that live there and compare notes. And you will find that not only are you made more wise, but they are also made more wise. And then, of course, depending on what the circumstance is, you would take it a a step further and suggest a resolution to the situation. So naturally, you know, if you're talking about negative entities of any kind, then you would banish the negative entities from that premises. Uh, If you're just talking residual energy or you're just talking uh, mischievous spirits and things of this nature, then, of course, you would do a cleansing of the premises. And this can be readily, easily done uh, simply by creating a smudge, which is basically burning incense, uh, usually sage of all its varieties are used, or you can use frankincense and myrrh, or you can use anything that's pleasant to the smell, uh, such as lavender or any patchouli, any of, any of these things. And bless, basically you go through the house blessing each room, and as you're uh, lending the smoke into the atmosphere of that room, you're saying that out loud that you know all negative entities need to leave and only positive ones can remain if they're there to be positive in nature and to assist. And you go through the entire house, and then once the smudging has been done, then you set up a, a, a clearing, and in turn, basically, you would line the, the windows and the doorways, preferably on the outside mainly, uh, with salt, and this salt creates more or less like a, uh, a line through which negative entities cannot cross, and it's very effective that way. So anyway, getting on to ghosts, which I am referring to as spirits, all right, they come in all sizes, shapes, and descriptions, and they may appear as they were last known. They may appear as uh, they had been when they were younger, uh, such as children. They may appear as uh, other individuals in changed, change, uh, excuse me, changed uh, representation or changed manners and this, this kind of thing. But for the most part, fortunately, negative entities are very, very rare. Uh, there are a great many mischievous entities that uh, like to, you know, go about and misplace things or make them harder to find uh, and this kind of thing. And then in turn, there are also um, entities that just are mischievous. In other words, they just like to leave things out underfoot or they like to place things around that, you know, if not corrected uh, by putting them back to where they need to be, uh, then in turn they could cause harm or they could cause, you know, some kind of minor commotion or what have you. Uh, Perhaps some kind of damage to the immediate vicinity or what have you, you know. So 
But yes, there are lots and lots of haunted places throughout the United States, and we have a great many television series. Uh, there's Ghost Adventures with Zach Beggins and his team that have explored all kinds of hotels and museums and uh, even psychiatric facilities and things of that nature. But he's not alone. There's all kinds of teams out there, I know, from experience, having watched some of them on television. And some of them are most intriguing and very interesting. And then, of course, you have all of the horror stories and the spooky stories that are coming on now, uh, especially with the, ha the month of Halloween, you know. But when it comes to the paranormal, Basically, a lot of people are frightened for the most part because they're taking un taken unawares. Uh, it's very common for spirits to uh, uh, be attracted to the fact that you may be in the process of attempting to go to sleep, and they'll reach out to you while you're attempting to go to sleep because you're trying to be calm, and they figure that that's the best time to contact you. And, of course, uh, horror stories are all generated with the fact being that, you know, um, they appear when you least expect them, and they are set out to frighten you uh, since they can appear in any form. And this is, like I said, for the most part, this is mischievous spirits. Now, yes, occasionally there are negative entities, and they come in a variety. I'm not going to go into all the sizes and descriptions of them simply because I don't want to give them energy. But for the most part... Uh, I would not go as far as to say that they're necessarily evil, but they can be very vicious at times. Uh, persons have gotten scratches. People have been knocked down on uh, sets of stairs. Uh, you know, people have had objects fly at them and different things of this nature. And I say this uh, most ostensibly because for the most part, a lot of people, if, if you go into a haunted place and you're expecting something evil to be there or some kind of darkness, then in turn, that's what you're going to encounter. So if you go into uh, an investigation and you're completely calm and you're completely centered and you just leave it open to whatever is there, then chances are you're just going to experience uh, perhaps uh, a few spirits that maybe haunting the place that, or some residual energy or perhaps a mischievous spirit or two or perhaps some shadow people. Uh, and again, shadow people are not necessarily evil uh, or dark entities per se. Again, it, a shadow is created when a spirit attempts to manifest itself into our physical reality and they may not have enough energy so that we can actually perceive them as a person. Rather, we perceive them as a shadow. In other words, displaced energy against a wall or against a doorway or anything of that nature. So that in turn, it appears that the light is displaced and has become a shadow. Now, yes, I would suppose that, you know, shadow people can be of all varieties as well. But I have never been harmed by any shadow person, uh, nor am I aware of anyone that's ever been harmed by a shadow person. Um, but remember now, keep in mind that Hollywood, you know, loves to have a lot of drama and it also hyphenates and, you know, focuses on uh, all kinds of sensations and sensationalism uh, for that part. 
And some of it may be made up and some of it may be real. You have to have a very discerning eye when you're watching all these kind of things. And, of course, then there are horror movies. And we have classic horror movies, you know, like Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman and all of that. And then, of course, you have more um, different kinds of horror movies like Carrie, you know, who uh, had the ability to uh, produce fire and uh, lit you know, burned up people in a in an auditorium and all kinds of craziness like that and burned her mom down in the house they were living in and all these kind of different things. And some of this is made very light and there's a lot of comedy involved or interspersed with it. Like, uh, you know, uh, oh, there's a series and I can't think of the name of it for me. Oh, um, and then, of course, you have Halloween and, of course, you have Night Stalkers and you have... All kinds of, you know, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street and all kinds of movies of this nature. Matter of fact, the, the latest Halloween is supposed to be the end run of it when uh, Michael Myers, who is the, the antagonist in the Halloween series, is actually tracked down by his, uh, I believe she's his older sister, I'm not sure on that one because there's a whole bunch of family drama woven in there but anyway she actually sets out to, with a bunch of other people to actually track him down and destroy him rather than allowing him to come looking for them so it's kind of flipping the tables and turning the table around in a manner of speaking but that one's coming out uh, this month and there's all kinds of other ones you know uh, uh, and so this is the month where basically now, we focus on the paranormal. Go ahead. Now's a good time to talk about ghosts uh, with Samantha tonight, a cheerleader, a cheerful freelance journalist like me, <laughs> and Jay, upcoming chef. Okay, they throw caution to the wind tonight on a huge rundown country estate they inherit, and they're going to turn it into a bed and breakfast, Richard. So they're going to invite uh, people to come stay there, but it's already inhabited by many spirits, spirits of the deceased residents that have lived there. So it's going to, I don't know if it's a comedy or not, but it's on CBS. If anybody would like to watch it, where I'm at uh, is CBS, WKRG, right tonight, 8 o'clock p.m. Now, I'm on Central Time, folks. But today is October 7th, and we'll put it in our cyberspace culture community, our cyberspace culture club that Richard and I have begun, basically ACO Club. But we're also, you know, we're going to support our little niche group of inhabitants here. And uh, this departed soul and close-knit eclectic group, uh, I'm talking about on the show, not me and Richard, although we're close and eclectic, I guess, they have uh, – a group that includes a Prohibition-era lounge singer, a pompous 1700s militia man, a 60s hippie fond of hallucinogens, and an upbeat 80s scout troop leader. So spirits tonight are going to be shown like ghosts, and the show is called Ghost. Uh, so it's uh, the two, there's Samantha, and what was the guy's name? Jay. Samantha and Jay. So it would be like TJ and Richard, but Richard, I don't think he's an up-and-coming chef. 
But Richard, let's see, it says CBS, and then it says variety sitcom. CBS Ghost takes its time finding our choined voice. But, you know, folks, we do gravitate around things we see in movies and TV. So Richard and I have decided to gather around our uh, what were we talking about last Thursday? Something about the neon lights and silence. And <laughs> silence is golden, but no, it was sound of silence. This week it's ghost. <laughs> so we're going to tune into a new sitcom. We hope, invite everybody to tune in, debuting on CBS on Thursday, October 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern. So it's 8 o'clock Central, my time, Richard. It's an hour later. Ghost is about a city couple. Now, I watched Survivor last night, but we'll keep going with Ghost today. And uh, all the people that I had uh, told they could come on, they uh, oddly enough, the weather is affecting people, folks. Uh, so don't turn into a ghost. But uh, a lot of people are getting sinusitis or have allergies or headaches. Or it's just a change of season. So I went and got my flu shot for October 1st because I'm over 65 and they have just one that we can take and I forgot it's free zone or I think or something like that but uh, anyway I love talking about the ghost and the definition is the seed of life or intelligence what it's Merriam-Webster soul give up the ghost uh, that's number one then two a disembodiment soul, especially the soul of a dead person, believed to be an inhabitant of, let me go to the next page, on Merriam-Webster, off of Google, uh, unseen world. The soul of a dead person believed to be an inhabitant of the unseen world. Oh, okay. Are to appear to the living in bodily likeness. Now, the opposite, they have a spirit demon ghost. It says a fainty, shadowy trace and a ghost of chance, a false image in a photographic negative or a television screen causes especially reflection. Our one who ghost writes, me and Richard can ghost write for you if you don't want to, if you have just basic ideas and need people to help you ghost write your stories or work on your autobiography but let me look up you said shadow person what is a shadow person now shadow is a shadow of course but the shadow figures and myths are in paranormal world talk it says uh, i'll give you the wikipedia uh richard it says a shadow person is a perception of a patch of shadow as a living humanoid figure and interpreted as the presence of a spirit or other entity by believers in the paranormal or supernatural. Well, that's sort of spooky action at a distance. So the way they make it say is it's like, like you have to have a beholder in order to see it, right? So it may or may not be spooky, at, uh, spooky action at a distance, but where two particles may show up at the same time, you have to have a perceiver of the shadow so that's interesting but that's with anything isn't it Richard if you don't have someone that has eyes you can't see a shadow can people that can't see do they 
have shadows. I'm, I don't know. I've had a lot of friends that were blind in my life, but I never asked them if they could see shadow people. Interesting. Your turn, well, Richard. <laughs> even those, even those that, that are qualified as blind do have partial sight. It may be just uh, limited to a very large degree in regards to them be able, being able to perceive everything that the normal sighted person can perceive. In other words, some of them see shadows, some of them see um, small glyphs of light, some of them can see colors and things of this nature. Of course, uh, how relevant it is to what is going on in their regular environment, uh, some of them have uh, sight that is extremely limited, but yet they are aware when other persons are around them. Um, in other words, I guess they have very minuscule sight that allows them to perceive the other person's energy or perceive the other person physically to a very small degree to the extent that they know that they are there. But yes, you are correct. When it comes to anything paranormal or supernatural, there is always someone that is there to perceive or to watch it happening. So yes, a shadow person does have the outline or figurement of a human being, but it is only shadow. In other words, it only appears against a wall, it only appears you know, against a doorway, or appears to actually travel along the wall or to travel within a room or to travel even on a ceiling, for that matter. Um, and yes, you have to have someone that is open enough that they would see such things, okay? Uh, so yes, the show tonight, the series about ghosts, sounds like it's going to be very entertaining indeed. Uh, it's going to have all kinds of characters from all kinds of different periods of time. And uh, from what I saw of the commercials on it, uh, there were at least 20 ghosts, and uh, the man involved does not perceive them, but the woman involved actually does see them, but she doesn't see them at first. Instead, she, um, I guess, gets startled to some extent, and when she's startled, she is able to perceive them. So this should be a very entertaining series indeed. However, like I said, uh, of course, Merriam-Webster says what ghosts are, and of course, it will describe to you what the paranormal is and any other word you can think of. And then, of course, we yeah, have good old this. Wikipedia. Do what? Yeah, get this. Get this. I'm looking at this. Uh, in the last few years, that I, I started paranormal years ago, folks, the first social paranormal website years and years ago. There weren't any back when I was making them. So now we have entities that are completely different, like poltergeist in your home. But now we break ghosts down from shadow people. They're more like looking at a person than a ghost. So the ghost people, the paranormal people, the types of ghosts, they're poltergeist or noisy ghosts. They have separated uh, what they call shadow people are more likely to look like a person than a ghost. So they knock down things, break windows, their orbs, like Richard said. Now, shadow people, as people being tall and human-like, but their bodies are made of shadows rather than flesh and bone. They They say the most notable shadow person is the hat man, who appeared in 2001 on Art Bell's Coast to Coast 
It's been theorized that Hat Man is a separate phenomena from shadow people, even though he appears in the same way as the rest of creepy brethren. Now, shadow beings could be feeding off of ghosts uh, because that's a theory that uh, shadow people, meaning humans, okay, humans, shadow people, like have a soul, a dark soul, but they don't have a physical body, but they look like a physical body. So that's an interesting point about what they call shadow people, that they're likely aware of the types of paranormal creatures that feed off of some of the humans' entities, like poltergeist, right? But if a spirit or an entity is trapped or in a haunted location, like on Ghosts Tonight on the TV, that means that it could be rich with negative energy that's likely to show up uh, in a shadow person. So, so this is going to be interesting, Richard, to watch tonight because it says that it's being theorized that shadow people prefer negative energy are someone that's been trapped in a residual energy of an entity trapped that's tormented eternally or in eternity, and it's just probably just not good. So let's look at shadow people, maybe ghosts of the living. So the theory, now folks, these are just theories, okay? Uh, we're no experts here, but Richard and I love this kind of stuff. We study consciousness and subconscious and super consciousness and our consciousness that leaves the body. And we talk about this as paranormal researchers, okay? But in our sleep, we can show ourselves people, right? They're tuned in. And sometimes right when you just start going to sleep, Richard May can explain this. I've seen these shadow people. When uh, I can remember explicitly as a child seeing them, but even more so as an adult. And all my children were asleep in the main room, and we had been going over to uh, – we were in theater. And we were going over, and my daughter's had strep throat. My mother and dad was in my room sleeping in my bed, so I pulled out the couch. Anyway, I saw some ghosts and uh, shadow people. And they were building like a wall, that brick wall, and they were shadow people. They weren't ghosts. They were shadows, okay? So that's why I'm interested in the difference because ghosts may be like – we think of a white luminescent or ghost like Casper, and most all of us watch Ghostbusters, so we know in our mind's eye what they look like in entertainment. But the ones that I've seen that are in real life – our shadow people. And it says here on Ranker that it could be argued that consciousness leaving the body when we sleep, they're technically ghosts. So they're saying, now this is a theory, folks, Richard, I'm telling you, that when we sleep, they're saying we all may be the ghost because it's shaped like human shadow people. But it's likely that we've never been able to determine it because there's not been any studies Really, I mean, they know the conscious, subconscious, and superconscious, but ha what happens to us when we know we're out of body sleeping? And it's always been said in science that we travel when we sleep, and most of us can relate to that shadow people, or they say some could be figurative shadow people of people who are still alive, Richard, sharing that spirit medium, you know, uh, so not the walking dead type. But us, so that's a whole different thing, isn't it, Richard, in the mortal existence, saying that 
uh, spirits while we're out lucid dreaming or flying around in other dimensions? Is that too deep? Dimensions, space travelers, shadow people. I got it off of Ranker, uh, Richard, R-A-N-K-E-R.com, when you can get back to your uh, site. It just pulled it up, okay? So that says there could be interdimensional beings. Well, sure. I mean, like I was explaining earlier, what I consider to be a shadow person could be an entity or a spirit that does not have the energy to manifest into a full-body apparition. So instead, they appear to be a physical person, but there's no description to them. In other words, they have a physical outline and appear to be have a physical body, but there's no description to them. Now, as far as uh, believing in a theory where when we go to sleep we become shadow people, no, I think that's stretching it a wee bit, simply because uh, our spirit essence is energetic in form, so there would be no reason why we would become shadow people because we have the energy that when we travel, others can perceive us, whether we be on the astral plane or whether we actually be projecting ourselves to another person's residence, say on the other way, uh, other end of the world, just to check on them. So, you know, out-of-body experiences can become very lucid um, and can be, be, per, be perceived by another given individual, and I've, I've actually experimented with this myself uh, when I was back in high school. I had a friend uh, named Stephen, and I actually told him that, look, you know, I want you to uh, get relaxed you know, in your bedroom, and I will come and visit you, and when I visit you, I want you to take a picture of me. And he actually did, I actually did succeed in visiting him, and he actually did take a picture, and the picture did appear to be me physically in form, but yet energetic in substance. So in other words, he could, you could actually make it out that it was me in the picture, but the picture, um, I didn't appear to be fully solid, which is usually the way that most ghosts, per se, are pictured. In other words, like you said, a, luminous, a luminescent body that is actually, you can tell it's a person and you can even describe who the person is, but their, their substance is energetic so you can actually see through them, so you can see objects behind them. Now, when, uh, uh, you know, during a paranormal investigation, when you meet a full-body apparition, that's exactly what you're meeting, is an apparition that energetically appears to be a physical person, but energetically you can, you can physically see through them because you can see objects through them, and, of course, they have the ability to pass through walls and pass through doors and all that kind of thing. You trying to say something? Teresa, are you there? I don't hear Teresa, but I think she unmuted me. Okay. Is this Janet? No, no, I just, I, I had a question about um, spirits. But I okay. already covered it. Um, do sometimes, like, do you have a spirit that's sometimes a doppelganger that can come out when you are in the same room? 
a doppelganger. Well, a doppelganger implies, you know, your physical double. And that's, you know, uh, it's neither been completely confirmed nor has it been, can, can be uh, completely denied. They're saying that everybody has a physical doppelganger. In other words, you're running around in the world and you have a personage that looks pretty much like you do. Now, of course, they're leading their own life independently just as you do yours. But at the same time, uh, you almost have identical physical attributes. So when you say doppelganger, that would be like meeting your own self. Is that what's going on? Well, it, it happened at my house. I didn't see the entity, but someone else did. And okay. but it was me, but I was wearing different clothes and my hair was different. I was a little bit of a different size. But then when I came walking down the hall, that that entity disappeared. Okay. Now, that's interesting that you bring that up because there have been paranormal investigators that have encountered the same uh, when they're doing investigations. Uh, like a, a person on their team may be outside running equipment or have gone outside to acquire something, and yet while they're conducting the investigation, they will actually see what they perceive to be that person walking into another room or walking down a hallway or whatever. And, of course, when the actual physical person that had been outside for a short bit comes into the building or whatever, as soon as they enter the building, the other person that, that the team members were seeing actually vanishes or disappears. Ooh, so I don't know... Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's some kind of residual energy that we're leaving behind, which it could be, or that perhaps the person that perceives it wants to make some kind of contact with you so badly that they're actually perceiving you in the environment even though you're not physically there. Well, isn't that a double walker? That's what it means in German. And like uh, with me being a psychic, sometimes we can pick up people's energy, but it's not really them. And that's used a lot in psychic medium work, especially among spiritualists. But what's your name? Are you part of our group here in America? Are you calling from Canada? Yeah, Canada. What's your first okay. name so we'll can because this is recording so we can go back and refer to your uh, oh, okay. yeah. your contribution. Jennifer, that's a good contribution to today's show. I didn't even put that word up. But doppelganger, of course, I love that word. And it is sort of spooky and creepy word from Germany, folks. It's in our folklores and uh, how we discuss uh, causal meaning of someone that looks just like yourself is what a doppelganger it means a double walker and uh, we've adopted that term in our mystics oracle psychic sages seers and shaman and we all work together with richard and i in our own little paranormal club we have the aco club and we're redefining all of this stuff for today's uh, meaning but uh, let's talk some more about doppelgangers because that is like being yourself, but others say, no, you must have an evil twin or you must have a, a twin sister you don't know about. But there's people walking the earth, and this is, I'm told, due to the fact that there are people in the extraterrestrial world, according to the Ka of our spiritual double, the Ka, that's an Egyptian term, okay, in Egypt, 
and it's the same as your doppelganger or your twin. So in science, they say, like we're talking spooky action at a distance, that there really is two of us no matter what. So that's why in spooky action at a distance, Einstein said it's spooky. But when you see one one place, there's always one equal and opposite reaction, or A and A and B, or A1 and A2. There's always two twins. Even in the Hopi legend, okay, they had children of the uh, water and children of the sun, but they weren't the same. They were the same in spirit and shared the same host as a ghost that's happening in what they call the upper world. But they had an upper world and an underworld. And that's still in today's reality in a lot of Christian faiths. We believe as above, so below. But we believe you have a positive and a negative. Or you've heard about the little angel on your shoulder and devil on your shoulder. That's also considered a form of your doppelganger in your energy and essence. So that's really cool. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it back over to you guys to discuss that because also I'd like to know replicated dimensions because doppelgangers are said to be in other dimensions, meaning we've got one foot in this dimension and one foot in another dimension. So, Richard, would you expand on all that? And we'll keep going on the creepy doppelganger because a lot of people like that. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer, have you had any personal experiences yourself? Oh, tons. Um, I, my, I, my grandpa, I grew up in a haunted house. Um, okay. So all the time I would see, actually, the, there was always, everyone agreed that there was this one room and you hit one stair on the way downstairs, you would look into that room because you knew someone was staring at you. So I took my, um, my, Little Sonny was, you know, barely even talking or walking. He was like one and a half years old. I took him down the stairs. He went stepped on the exact same stair that everyone had always stepped on, looked over to the same room, and said, dead in there, ghost. Like words that a little kid would never even know. And I said, right. how'd he die? How'd he die? Or he said, fall downstairs, die. I'm like, oh. <laughs> now we know. Well, <laughs> that's, well that's the thing, you see. Well, yeah. when we're younger, we're completely open-minded, okay? And our perception is a whole lot more detailed than when we grow older because we don't have any preconceived ideas. You see what I'm saying? In other words, uh, we perceive things in a wide spectrum, Whereas when, as we become older, we be, our, our spectrum more or less closes off or becomes more narrow, you could say. Um, you know, it's just like our mind's eye. Uh, you know, we, we become uh, more tainted. Whereas, <clears throat> excuse me, whereas when we're a child, you know, we're more open-minded. We, 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 only we only perceive whatever is there we're able to look at. And in this particular instance, your son was able to see a ghost or a spirit, and you inquired as to how they died, and he told you truthfully that they had fallen down the stairs and died. So I don't know whether that, in fact, is residual energy. It could be. You see what I'm saying? A part of that spirit uh, having died so rapidly by falling down the stairs unexpectedly that in, that in fact a part of their energetic selves 
remains in the room, probably where they slept at or maybe even where they spent a good deal of time at, and that they are looking at you as you're coming, going down the stairs, probably in hopes that you don't repeat what they felt, you know, the fall that they had themselves. So I wouldn't see it as evil necessarily. I would just see it as, you know, just one of them weird things. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear another one? (laughs) Well, sure. By all means. All right. So I, I've, always move into these haunted houses. So the first house I moved to when I came to where I live now, um, it was strange things would always happen, but one night I'm laying there, it was Sunday night. All of a sudden the radio goes off downstairs and it starts playing Sunday, bloody Sunday. I'm like, Oh, great. So I'm laying there kind of freaked out. So I said, okay, I'm going to get up now, come down and shut you off. But it just shut off on its own because, I indicated that I wanted it off, but I would do that all the time with the stereo. I would come home by myself, sit down, um, be there for a little bit. The stereo would go off and I said, can you please shut it off? And then they would shut it off. Then I'm sitting there with my son when he was really little, all his toys started going off (laughs) all at the same time. Um, then another time I'm in the kitchen, he's in his uh, car seat on the table in the dining room. I look over, he's starting to slide out of his car seat like so that he might fall on the ground. And then an invisible, invisible pair of hands was holding him up so that I could get him in time before he fell. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very interesting. And you may actually be gifted and not even be aware of it. You see what I'm saying? I mean, in other words... When you find that there's something paranormal or something very odd going on in your environment and you say out loud as an invitation to whatever it was that created the noise, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it be a knocking on the door or knocking on the wall or in this instance the playing of a radio or the playing of a stereo, you're actually telling the spirits that you wish them not to continue in making that noise and they, in turn, actually cease and desist. Now, of course, you could also have assistance therein because naturally, uh, you know, and this is really going to make things sound a bit weird, but we're never alone, you see. I mean, we have all kinds of spirits around us all of the time, okay? You've got the guardian angel. You've got your spirit guides. You've got spirit teachers. You've got, uh, you've got relatives that are looking over Uh, as guardians over you at times and all this kind of thing. So if you consider that we're never alone spiritually and we come into a a situation that is obviously being spiritually caused, in other words, you know, being uh, brought about by a spirit entity of some kind, if you ask or make it known that, you know, you wish them to cease and desist on whatever noise or agitation or irritation that they're making towards you, then in turn, that the expression of that intent may be enough energetically to reach out to them and ask them, you know, to, to stop. Or it may, you may also receive assistance from your spirit guides and those that are directly always around you, helping you, that in turn would also communicate that wish or intent and even perhaps insist to some degree that that action quit. You know what I'm saying? 
I never thought about it that way. That's very interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, people perceive that they're alone, and we're never alone. We're always, you know, I talk to people, you know, that have had uh, recent loss of relatives and so forth, and the fact of the matter is that no one ever leaves us, okay? I mean, if, if you were to consider the veil or the other side as being nothing more than a, a, a vibrational and frequency difference from the reality we experience. So, for example, if you say that we live in the third dimension and the spiritual dimension of which we go to once we have left the physical earth is, say, the seventh dimension, then in turn, it is only a few vibrations and frequencies away from where we actually physically exist. So you could say, if you were to look above you, say about three or four feet, okay, and imagine that there's a, a different energetic frequency going on above you, that is where everyone has gone to that has left physical reality. So the other side is not that very far away from us. So, you know, when, when you consider that they're able to look down on us and watch us as we go through life, and they can inter interact with us from the aspect being that they can give you smells that you would not remind you of their presence, uh, like tobacco smells or pipe smoke or uh, a particular cake or a particular pie that they used, used to like to cook or a particular cologne that they used to like to wear. All of these kind of things are hints to let you know that they're physically present from the aspect being that they are looking or coming into your overall space to allow you to know that they're not gone. For you to receive comfort and, you know, with the knowledge that they're, they're fine, that there's nothing wrong, they're not gone, okay? So, you know, as, as Teresa was saying, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different dimensions, and the only difference between dimensions is a vibration and frequency rate that is higher. So, in other words, you know, if, if you say, all right, we are vibrating at a specific ratio that allows us to physically be, okay, and if, you know, you look around you and your house, of course, is vibrating at a slower rate that allows it to physically manifest and to be physically maintained in that vibration so that it remains being a physical structure. Well, the higher you go in vibration, the less density. So, so you know, I, I, I think this is a good way to, to put it in your mind anyway. As a spirit, you're no longer physically attached uh, attached to your physical self so therefore you're energetically free from your physical body and now you exist in a different dimension that we cannot perceive because that dimension and vibration is higher than what we're used to encountering does that make sense yeah no it totally makes sense that's why okay. when i see spirits like they take on different forms it's not always the same way so you know sometimes it well, sure. Sometimes it's a scent, sometimes it's uh, something completely different, sometimes it's just in your mind's eye. So it, it just depends on the, uh, the how that uh, spirit wants to come through. Oh, well, see, you're very open-minded. You're very, uh, I wouldn't say susceptible, but I would say very inviting to spirits. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so it makes you may be very gifted. living. 
Jennifer, if you don't mind saying it live on on radio in the month of October with TJMRCT Radio, what do you do for a living? I uh, work for the government. In Canada? Yep. But you've had these experiences or lived in haunted houses, it sounds like, most of your life, right? Pretty much, yep. So it's okay because I worked for the government, so did Richard. I mean, it's like uh, I have to get over this stigma, and so does everybody else, that people in the government or have worked for the government, we're really servants of the people when we're in those jobs, you know, whether it's uh, against enemies or both foreign and domestic or not. But, you know, we're still people, and we know things, and we're all intuitive. So this is more like TJMRCT, I don't know, intuitive show. <laughs> but I, I like spirituality and paranormal. I've sort of captured those categories on Blog Talk Radio since I've been here almost 10 years. Well, I just completed nine years, so it'll be 10 years June. Is that right? Yeah, 2012. But I'm glad you came. And have you heard this show before, or did you call in for our psychic readings at any time or not? Maybe not lately. Like, uh, no, I was just listening um, because it was interesting, and I like to learn about the different types of uh, entities, people. And I like to hear about people's experiences, too. So I thought uh, maybe I would chime in with it because he was talking about the, the shadow people, and then I was wondering what kind of entity that might have been. And then when he told me about the residual energies and um, – the the ghost hunter people seeing the same thing, I went, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, Well, yeah, I thank you for uh, sharing because it's uh, nice to know there are people out there listening because I can't see them and they can't see me. So I guess I'm sorry. I'm not really a shadow person, but I'm a human (laughs) with some strange, extraordinary interest. But I'm finding that I'm not as different as I think I am, (laughs) that there are plenty of people in all walks of life that, uh, you know, have different talents and skills, and, uh, you know, they they like to share if uh, they have a platform. So this is a platform, folks, as you can see, and sometimes I, I would... I had to call in on a different line to get in, but we're having some issues, I noticed. Uh, Jennifer, did you have any issues with any of Facebook or anything? I saw that a couple of days ago they had some issues online that was concerning people around the world. Did you have any uh, yeah. things shut down or anything? It went down, but I, I figured it was because of my big mouth. So, But then it, it turns out that a lot of people had a big mouth, so it was really just Facebook being down. Anyways, i got to run. To get, my son needs a ride. Uh, oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it will be here for you to come back and listen, okay? Blogtalkradio.com, TJMRC, T-Radio, folks. So thank you, Jennifer. All right, Richard, it's back on. Well, that was good. That was a good yeah. ad. And see, uh, we appreciate you folks. If you've got something you'd like to add, we'll be here all the month of October, sharing uh, different people's uh, help on shadow people, doppelgangers, ghosts, apparitions. So help me out here, Richard. Poltergeist. <laughs> experiences, poltergeist, yeah. Uh, you know, it's that kind of time of the month. And if you're in the Wicca belief, that's good. If 
and Mother Earth or metaphysics, esoterics, anything of uh, that nature. That's what we're going to be about every Thursday. And uh, let us know who you are, and we'll be more than happy to have fun with you and uh, get you on here with your five minutes of fame or whatever with our uh, ACO club. And uh, we have ACO radio now that uh, is like just in case you want to join us on ACO radio. So, uh, Richard, where do we go? Do you want to co- cover more on uh, poltergeist or doppelgangers or shadow people or uh, ghost in general? Uh, so tonight, the CBS show will come on, let's see, it's three hours for me, so it'll be four hours for you because, well, we got 50 minutes left on this show. But uh, I think the type they're covering tonight, since it's called Ghost, I guess it's their version of Ghost, right? So I will look that up on uh, – did we cover Ghost? You covered it pretty thoroughly in the beginning, didn't you, that – like yeah, like yeah I talked about ghosts, ghosts and, uh, you know, apparitions and entities and spirits and all of that. And like I said, uh, I use the word spirit rather than the word ghost simply because a ghost can be one of several different categories. Whereas if you indicate a spirit, that means that they have intelligence. In other words, there's there's an intelligent being that's in your environment regardless of what form they're taking but they actually correspond and they actually interact with you uh, mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically, uh, and this kind of thing. Whereas if you're talking a ghost, for the most part, they're just being seen at a distance and they can, you know, lead people to different places to find things. They can lead people to uh, different places. portions of information, you know, like, for example, they can open books for you to read, or they can uh, turn on lights for you to see something in a particular room, or uh, things of this nature. But, like I said, ghosts are usually full-body apparitions, and they do not communicate. They do not have intelligence, for the most part. Whereas a spirit entity is actually, like I said, someone from the other side, and yes, they are fully intelligent, and yes, they can communicate, and they can uh, even interact to some degree, uh, although limited probably to to some degree, simply because they are not as energetically solid as we are. They are not as dense as we are. They are more energetic in form, though they they have a, a consciousness that is at least equal to ours, if not more expanded than ours presently. So you have all kinds of uh, different entities, you know, and and I I was not going to get into all the dark entities simply because, you know, there are devils and demons and and all of these uh, dark entities that do actually derive their sustenance from us because when they make you in fear of them, they feed off of your fear. So if you're not afraid of them, then, of course, they can't really attack you because you're not feeding in, giving them any energy to feed off of or to use against you per se. Now, that's not to say that, you know, they, they don't have different strengths because I'm sure that there, there is there's a demonic hierarchy and there's a demonic uh, way of doing things that, you know, uh, 
that's just the way of demons. I mean, you know, they'd like to try and possess people and they like to try and do all kinds of negative things of that nature. And again, possession is something that is very controversial, uh, you know, so there are not very many cases of actual possession. There are a lot of cases where people just become mentally confused um, and believe and, you know, suffer from grand delusions or suffer from delusional uh, mind frame in their perceptions and so forth. But yeah, there have been a few and they are very historically recorded as far as possessions are concerned where the person uh, being observed starts speaking in tongues, languages that they do not know or could not know, and, uh, you know, uh, make, make beds rise in the air or begin walking on walls or begin walking upside down on the roof, just all kinds of different things. But, again, you know, uh, when it comes to polarity, you have to understand that if there's all this evil, there's also all this good as well. Uh, whether it's balanced or not is, is, again, something that could be spoken upon for hours simply because, uh, you know, we live in a dualistic world. So, therefore, you know, there's as much evil as there is light or as much darkness as there is light and as much good as there is bad. Um, and it's just a matter of where it's expressed and when it's expressed and how it's expressed and all of this kind of thing. So, I mean, you know, you know, if you've got demons, then obviously you have angels uh, simply because they are counterparts or opposites of each other. Uh, you know, a demon would basically be very negative energetically and they would thrive off of uh, making people afraid. Uh, they would take dominance of people. And uh, Jennifer even raised an interesting subject in the fact being that spirits being compelled or held into a particular place. And that's very controversial, and there's a lot of theories on it. Uh, my personal opinion, I do not believe that a person can actually be bound to a given place, but I don't rule it out as a possibility. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been uh, Amityville Horror, and there's been a few other uh, movies that have been generated by Hollywood uh, that express this kind of thought. Uh, you know, where spirits appear to be trapped or appear to linger uh, basically, I guess, for a very, very long period of time in a given place. Uh, there are lots of castles all over the world. Some of them have dungeons, and the dungeons themselves are haunted from spirits having been sacrificed or tortured to death and so on and so forth. So anytime you have a large buildup of negative energy, whether it be through trauma or torture or things of this nature, then yes, uh, that space would be very residually um, dark. Um, now, whether in fact there's any entities in it or not would have to be explored and checked out and so forth. And there's been investigations, and there's a couple of lovely television shows. One of them is Scariest Places on Earth. Another one is the Scariest Places in the World. Another one is Haunted Hotels. Another one is Haunted Castles. All of these various programs, some of them can be seen on the Travel Channel, some of them can be seen on the History Channel, and different things of this nature, and they go into very detailed tales and stories about all these very haunted places where there are uh, ghosts or spirits that have remained in those places simply because uh, they were traumatized or uh, perhaps 
because they are looking for a way out or perhaps they are looking for uh, another person. Uh, there's all kinds of different stories and all kinds of different angles to go at it from that. But actually, uh, to have a dark entity actually trapping or holding other spirits in a designated area or a specific house or a specific uh, castle and so forth, I don't know. That's very questionable in my mind's eye, simply because I would hope that, you know, each spirit entity has their own free will and their own matter of free choice. And again, you know, if, if you were to become trapped in such a situation, it would almost be like you were giving that entity or whatever uh, permission to retain you there or keep you there. Um, so that's why I say whether that actually happens or whether it actually exists or not is something that would have to be explored and something thoroughly investigated. Uh, I personally well, have never come upon. Do what? The word the word specter is used for uh, ghost as well. S P E C T O R or S P E C T E R, and uh, it's used. It means ghost, apparition, all the same thing. And I'm seeing it here. It also means five in Pythagorean. It says numerology but it says specter was like a ghost or phantom s-p-e-c and i've never heard it called yes. a specter i don't know why i've heard oh, it yeah. called that's that's an old world five. term that's been around for ages i mean you know okay. it's, uh it says that's used in ancient secrets revealed on uh chaldean and pythagorean numerology uses specters on how pythagorean numerology was uh, helpful with five or six Chaldean numerology, Pythagorean system of Alexander who conquered Babylonia and Greeks have used Chaldean well, what, numbers. What is, okay, say, we're not um, we're not getting into numerology vector. now, okay? <laughs> well, it's about specter. Well, Pythagoras. That's a how do you define? Nothing, yeah, it's another term for ghost. Okay, that's what a specter is. In other words, you see a person that you think is there, but they're not really there. Uh, you know, like a, a vision of a person that is there, but they're not really there. So you could call it an illusion. You could call it a, a delusion. All kinds of different things. And yes, the specter is an old world term meaning ghost or, you know, uh, a place that is haunted by presences. In other words, you know, uh, they could be evil presence, they could be positive presence, they could just be persons, they could be all kinds of things. But yeah, a specter covers a whole category of ghosts, all all forms and, and natures thereof. So, you were saying? Oh, uh I didn't know I was still on. <laughs> well, well, I got obligated. I, mean, you know. I don't know if I spelled it properly, but specter, a ghost apparition, something that's widely yep. feared or is a source of terror or dread, a haunting or disturbing, disturbing image. Now, folks, we know that we can create these, especially if we're in a belief system or we're scared or shook up or we're having a nervous night. And, you know, when we tell stories around a fire – 
that was one of the big things we did in Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, especially during Halloween. And this is starting to be a cool season. It's starting to cool off. And a lot of us can make little small bonfires or little fires on our porches or in our backyard. I know, you know, it's allowed, but some places can't. But it's fun to sit around and tell ghost stories. <laughs> it's a tradition. Uh, and so we'd like to know if that's something you'd be interested in sharing with us here is ghost phantoms, poltergeist, apparitions, and specters. S-P-E-C-T-E-R-S or spirits and more. So we're tracing the traditions in our cultural literary world of paranormal. Uh, we write books and uh, we share essays and PDFs and I'm getting back into sharing more writing and I guess this is a fun topic of ghosts and apparitions and specters. I've not gotten to use that word, Richard. So, you know, I just thought it was cool because I was looking up books and it said ghosts, phantoms, poltergeist, apparitions, specters, spirits. So I had to start looking it up. And it wasn't that easy because if you spell it S-P-C-T-O-R, it doesn't come up as much as S-P-E-C-T-E-R. So there's an actual field guide written by Zachary Gravis, so I guess Graves as an author, so I'm not familiar with him, but it's a nice little place, micro-publishing. But uh, what about ghost in, so the difference is poltergeist can have an energy that moves things, and it's usually considered an angry uh, energy, like ESP, send and receive, but it pushes things. Poltergeist, I'm told, uh, can affect, like the movie film in 1982, most of you probably remember Poltergeist. Uh, but the definition, I don't know, Richard, because you, you take everything in the world and put together, right? A ghost or supernatural being responsible for physical disturbances. Now, this one says, uh, out of Wikipedia, it causes loud noises are objects to be thrown around in ghost lore is a spirit that's responsible for physical disturbances. Loud noises and objects being moved are destroyed. Most claims are fictional, but poltergeists show them as capable of pinching, biting, and tripping. Whoa. So I guess ghost lore it says, uh, why do they put it in ghost lore? Is that because you can't, they can't prove it, so they put it like over in folklore or something? It's under paranormal. Yeah, it's something similar it because it's also, it's also been suggested that persons with psychic abilities, such as telekinesis, the ability to move objects with your mind, and the uh, psychokinesis, which is the ability to affect other, other people people mentally as far as their emotional mood and so on and so forth is concerned. And so they have said that, you know, a person who has psychic abilities that becomes angry, all right, in turn, uh, if they are angry with a given person, they may go to visit that person. And while they're visiting that person, uh, the person may get pinched, the person may get tripped, uh, loud noises may come about in the house that they're, they're residing in, or objects may be lifted and smashed, such as, you know, uh, 
plates and glasses and cups thrown against the wall and, and smashed to pieces or, uh, you know, uh, different pieces of furniture being moved or even picked up and, and you know, disheveled or whatever and these kind of things, and it's attributed to someone who has become angry with a given person that they in turn are psychically or energetically expressing their anger towards that person by making all of these things happen in their house. So as to whether a poltergeist is actual a re- actually a real entity or not is has never truly been proven. And so that's why it's considered ghost lore, because, yeah, I mean, in general, a poltergeist is a noisy ghost. In other words, someone that, that just makes all kinds of uh, noises in the environment and disturbs a person while they're uh, trying to have a quiet night or disturbs a person while they're trying to focus or concentrate, like doing schoolwork or something like that, or other things that would be disturbing to a person in their regular routine. So a poltergeist... Like I said, whether it is actually another entity, which, I mean, I believe in anything and everything being possible, uh, unless, of course, it is proven otherwise by scientific uh, project or by scientific investigation or by investigation on a paranormal means or things of this nature, uh, I would consider that a poltergeist um, is a noisy ghost. Now, all ghosts can be noisy, okay? So whether you want to strictly say that only noisy ghosts are called poltergeists or whether, in fact, you want to go with the aspect being that this is a person with psychic ability and psychic gifts that is expressing their anger outwardly by psychically projecting energetically uh, to move objects and smash objects or to just, you know, make all kinds of noises in a house or... Uh, whatever it may be, this has been suggested in, in very various television series and so forth, and it's also looked upon uh, in the paranormal field as being a possible noisy ghost or a possible person that is projecting outwardly on a psychic. Wow. Nature, you know, yeah, uh, that's these, how we got these various disturbances. Do I? Uh, in, in our paranormal psychology classes I took, and then we had some in college too, but mostly uh, psychology, but the psychoanalyst Carl Gustav Jung, J-U-N-G, we said Jung because, you know, we're from the South, Y-O-U-N-G, but it's J-U-N-G. You pronounce the J like a Y. But he and Sigmund Freud in 1909 practiced the second sound speculating that phenomena was caused by exteriation of our subconscious mind. So that is now handled in possible uh, paranormal investigations with meters and uh, apparatus that can show vibration of energy waves, whether it's your subconscious, your exteriation. But they're saying that many people may have one out of five people may have the ability with their minds to throw their thoughts, folks. It's uh, extrasensory perception that psychologically, if they're angry especially, and this was what they were thought 
teaching over in Germany. Poltergeist is actually a German word. And so geist, spirit, ghost, whatever, pulsar, sound, rebellious type of energy, rumbling sound, in parapsychology subjects, and an apparitional experience can happen to you. And we see that on ghost hunting shows, sometimes they, uh, the particular psychic medium is usually on the team, will uh, want to interview the people because, first of all, they want to rule out if anybody has uh, telekinesis, ESP, parapsychology, or if they're just inherited in their gene pool, the occult general feeling of having energy that can be responsible for doing things divertedly, meaning outside of their own person, before they start uh, debunking the house itself from old uh, like we do in psychometry and we hold things to get the energy from but now there's also mysterious mischievous spirits we haven't got into in uh, the difference in uh, fairies and ghosts of them and they have spirits sprites, sprites and pixies Richard and so you want me to look up pixies sprites because they're considered well, sort of mischievous too. Pick- yeah, well, I mean, those are tricksters for the most part, you know. Uh, fairies. Yeah. Well, sure, sprites and fairies and pixels and, and, and all of those are members of the Fae. And for the most part, they exist in a, a world apart. I guess you could say along the same line as ours from the right. aspect being but they exist energetically at a different vibration than us. So as a result, they can pick and choose as to who they appear to or who sees them and who does not. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's all, uh, there's all kinds of folklore. They say a sprite well, yeah. is a disembodied spirit or ghost. So uh, that's in Merriam-Webster, elf fairy, elfish person, disembodied spirit or ghost. So even that could be in our ghost show today, folks. I didn't know that till just now, I swear. So in folklore, sprite to vi- sprite definition, an elf, a fairy, a ghost, and like Richard, the common uh, leader of our fae colony, our fae esoteric uh, metaphysicians among all mythical creatures and meanings, but uh, he's worn many, many hats. So he... Whether they're good or bad depends on the imaginary person, I guess. But the computer graphics say that a sprite is a two-dimensional bitmap that is integrated into a larger scene on 2D. So they actually called sprites the second dimension, which I've never heard of in graphics. But among elusive supernatural beings that come up above the one interdimensional paper is a two-dimensional sprite integrated into a larger scene. That would sort of be like Richard with kids. You know how you have the the books and then they have these pop-ups? That could be a two. Now, then it becomes three-dimensional. Darn it. All right. Well, they're saying that sprite in graphics is between one and it's the second dimension. So and he can no, all dimensions supernatural that's yeah in, but in that's in graphics yeah. though that's not that's not talking talking actual beings you know. Well, talk <laughs> about sprites. 
like you said, some are called tricksters, some are water sprites, some are fairies, some are small magical, but it does say they're disembodied spirits. But who knows whether they show up or not in an elf-like or a a human form, whether they're two-dimensional or three-dimensional, F-E-Y, and you mentioned the fae. So uh, the fae always comes out during this time of year, fae definition. But I'll have to look it up. I'm looking at Faye spirits. No, Faye sprites right now. But you're right. They put it right into the Faye, F-E-Y. Yep. So now let me look at uh, Faye sprites. Got all kind with beautiful – I love anything with wings. I don't know what is about that. But let's yes, see. Sprites. Fairies. Sprites, fairies, right. you know. European uh, definition. Okay, so it says Latin spiritus. The word is derived from Latin, the French spirit. But let me look at fey. So in our ghost all month, folks, we're going to be talking about spirits and ghosts and apparitions and poltergeists and specters and uh, giving an impression of vague, world, unworldly clairvoyance. Supernatural powers are the fey. In Scottish... It's fated to die at the point of death. He is now Faye, seen his own death, and I see to it. Faye means in slang definition. Fated or doomed, how to be Faye, supernatural or unreal, enchanted, elves, fairies, fae creatures, unnaturally high in spirits, formerly thought to precede death. You become more of the Faye quality, the ability to be of the moon and midday and suggest that you behave rather shy and childish and unpredictable, suggested that it, you're becoming unnatural or, or three-dimensional, and the second side of clairvoyance comes upon you. If you're a fade child, you possess second sight, which is your overdefined uh, way of seeing in unusual ways in clairvoyance and even clairaudience. So fae is about yes. believing in the supernatural, attuned to the supernatural, clairvoyant, visionary, uh, happy supernatural powers of clairvoyance. King Arthur was surrounded by fey women. Oh, I didn't know that, including, of course, I know about uh, Merlin, right? So fey and the Merlin. But there's stories in Scottish, Irish, English, all these uh, all have it. And fey urban says it defines an unexplainable beauty, gorgeous, sweet, enchanting, in the Urban Dictionary. Well, that's a little far off. Let me see what the Cambridge yeah. says, because I like Cambridge. He demissed her later poems as fey and frivolous. No, that's too highbrow for me. Mysterious and strange, trying to appear like this fey. Look up the so word fey. Mysterious... F-E-Y, look that's what I word... looked up. No, look up the word fey, S-I-D-H-E. That's Irish pronunciation, Shayer. And F-E-Y. these are these are dwellers these are dwellers beneath the earth, okay? And they're known to, to trick I mankind. Huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?-huh?
little hills over in Ireland that came over from Atlantis and Lemuria or Mu. But AOS is the Irish name for supernatural race of Celtic beings that were spelled Sith, S-I-T-H, by the Scots. Uh, Sith was used in Darth Vader and all those Star Trek, but it's pronounced the same as uh, AOS space S-I, and it's said to descend from the fallen angels of the Tuatha de Danannan, and meaning the tribe of Danu, which would make sense because Danu was the son of Na and Da. And Dana, it comes from also Anu and the story of An and AOC, a fake lore of the folks from old extraterrestrials that came to Earth called the Wind Fairies or Fallen Angels. So in Celtic mythology, they're not too far off of the supernatural, but it says uh, that S-I-D-H-E, hold on, let me let's see if it'll... Oh, it won't. It can't. Oh, it won't. It can't. It won't. It can't. Oh, see that? We disturbed him. <laughs> C, S I D A D means C, right? Sad. She fay. Well, let me see what she fay is. S I D A T. Okay, this may mean what you're more about. It says. She fay s i d h e f a e, but you say it d is silent. So s i d h e is she, like we say hers. She i u e he she it we you they she. Shay. This is Shay's the way I pronounce it anyway. Well, in this it says she. It says this is the Gaelic term for a burial mound in Ireland. It's commonly used to refer to fairies that considers today or she to be the true fairy folk and there's various explanations given in Ireland in the Irish folklore are you Irish or Scottish and what's the difference <laughs> one's from Irish, Scotland and one's from Ireland <laughs> Irish Scots and Irish Scots Welsh and English I got to be Irish, Scots, Welsh, predominantly Irish uh, okay I've got to do a blood test, but I'll probably just be pure European, so, so probably some. Tuatha de Danann. Now, the Tuatha de Danann is uh, 1800s was New Age Enlightenment. What? Oh, okay. It was not, uh, oh, it was like today's New Age Enlightenment. So uh, they wrote about it, and the Celtic beings of the Irish spirit. So Tuatha de Danann, or Danann, Literally means people of the goddess Danu, mother goddess. Yes. Sanskrit. Tuatha de Danu. Yeah. And Anna <laughs> Morgan and Bridget. Morgan oh, Lefay. Yeah, we all know the name. Famous for Merlin magic, right? That's what. Of course. We all the opposite. His opposition, his, his, you know, his, his nemesis, Morgan Lefay. Morgan Le Fay, yeah. yeah. Morgan of the Fay. And they spell it Morgan, M-O-R dash, big I-R, I-O-G-H-A-I-N. And, oh, that's uh, the Morrigan. That's the Morrigan. Yeah, the Morrigan is, is a different one. 
All right. Well, all that would be including all the spirits, all the fae, whether they're in spirit or they're in uh, essence, uh, having supernatural spirits. But most all of us that are in America believe we have spiritual things that keep our body alive because we've seen people die. And the body can go on, but it gradually will decay due to oxygen, and all that's left is dust gradually over the years. But we do know there's something inside us as essence and spirit, and that goes with our show today as to whether or not people can walk around without their body. But you said they can. Now, if we get into subconscious and superconscious on ghosts, you said that it's not necessarily in your theory or belief system that we're walking around like a doppelganger or a other being a shadow person. Is that correct? And if so, how would you define our sleeping body that flies at night or goes? I've gone over Salt Lake City forever, went there and saw the salt flats and the mountains flew over it and they went out there in a big truck and parked at the truck stop and went, holy crap, I'm exactly where I saw myself 10 years ago. But, I mean, I would see it not on TV or anything in my dream flying over it. So what was that? Is that my shadow person, my spirit? That's your spiritual essence. Your spiritual my essence spiritual is not confined to your human body, okay? You can, you can come and go from this physical self any time you choose. And yes, it will appear as a luminescent doppelganger to your physical self because naturally that's the form that you're still residing in. So in other words, you know, when you astral travel, your luminescent body or your astral body is identical to your physical self. So it's a ethereal or etheric doppelganger or energetic doppelganger. Uh, but, you know... Uh, we don't walk around per se. I mean, you know, the, the, the human being, the normal human being is not going to see someone else astral traveling. The only way you run into other people astral traveling is when they are astral traveling as well. But we also have the ability to, of course, as you know, we can remote view, which is a shift of consciousness from one place to another while we're wide awake. Our, our physical selves are wide awake, yet we take our mental consciousness and we pinpoint focus where we desire to be, to see, perceive, hear, and so forth in another location on a consciousness basis. And we bring that back to our physical selves, to our regular waking consciousness, and we have all that information. Well, the same is true, of course, if you... Uh, you can astral project whether you're wide awake or you're asleep. So whether, in fact, uh, remote viewing is a part of astral projection or not is uh, to be explored. I really cannot tell you whether it's just a shift of consciousness or if, in fact, you're astrally projecting from one location to another while you're wide awake. Both are, both are possible, okay? But as far as... Uh, doppelgangers are concerned, then you're talking about a physical facsimile of your physical self that is residing in another portion of the world, or they could even be residing uh, in your neighborhood and you not even be aware of it, and they would have the physical resemblance of you as a person, but their personality would be different because naturally they've explored and experienced life far different than you have. But anyways... Um, 
so when it comes to you know uh, all of that it is uh it can neither be proven nor disproven it is uh subject to one's personal beliefs now yes i fully believe in astral rejection yes i believe in remote viewing and have done so on numerous occasions uh i do you know i've traveled around the world whether rather i am awake or asleep now when i'm asleep of course that is usually purely astral projection because i am leaving my body behind to go visit another physical place now sometimes i will remember it as a dream and other times i will remember it as a vivid dream the difference being that naturally in a vivid dream you actually feel like you're present in the dream and can actually affect those things that are happening in the dream whereas in a regular dream all you're viewing is just that it's like you're watching a movie you may be a participant in it so in that case if you are pictured in the movie you're only watching what is going on before you and around you whereas in a vivid dream not only can you see yourself in the movie but you can actually interact with the movie and take control of various things that are going on in the movie and that's the main difference between uh you know regular sleeping or dreaming and and vivid dream but then in turn you have astral rejection and in astral rejection you are spiritually leaving your physical body in other words your essence or your spiritual essence is leaving your physical self and putting your physical self on autopilot while it visits other realms now whether it go to the astral plane or whether in fact just remain here in the world and in turn you go and visit a friend that you're concerned about perhaps they have indicated that they were ill recently or perhaps you have not heard from them in a while so you would go and you would visit wherever it was that you last knew them as residing now would other people perceive your astral form most likely not unless you specifically wished them to see you just as I have done in the in the past experimentally and yes there's been a few times where my my astral form has been photographed and it appears to be a luminous uh doppelganger duplicate of my physical self but it is luminous or energetic in form so you can make out my physical presence and my physical characteristics but you can actually see objects behind me as though you were looking well, right through Well talk about wonders wanderers is time travelers because there's games out there in in the 15th dimension in some games are grand fantasia they have far cry 6 they level up as smart delivery technology in far cry playstations but you can uh, go up in uh wanderer grand fantasies and it's called w a n d e r e r but you can travel out of body guy. That's a video no, game. No, but it's also that's... used as it's also used in today's language. So that's what's happened in today's uh, language and cyberspace culture. The kids talk about reality and magic and defense and spellcasters and magic class as if it's real because they're so uh in enthralled with today's infection of what's called uh interfacing high uh resolution extremely high powerful uh virtual realities and they use their well, skills sure. and high level but even in ghosts see they go into their night corridors or their virtual realities 
and they have ultimatums and they have territories and dimensions and realms and that goes into fandom and I work sometimes in uh, looking at how the reality of all our communities in cyberspace the superhighway that Sir Tim Berners-Lee started is making us a new one, but it's not going to be like it used to be. You know, Russia's already downloading and putting up a firewall, and so is China. China started, you know, with uh, – they're using Wikipedia in their universities, and they're keeping their world, their their tectonic plate, their continent okay, separate let's, from let's, ours. Let's, let's get back well, to the wanderers, spirits. The wanderers – the wanderers, we've got paranormal ghosts, hauntings, doppelgangers, shadow people. Now, since you talked about remote viewing, I put that on here. So, uh, ghost and ET, extraterrestrials, because some people believe extraterrestrials are interdimensional or ghosts, or like the blue people in the uh, movie, uh, what was it? It was so neat with Nicolas Cage. But you, they know the people because so many of us use them in graphic arts now. It's extraterrestrials that came down and took Nicolas Cage's little boy and some lady's little girl. It wasn't such a good movie as the story plot because the ending was beautiful. But these beings you could see through. So they're like uh, extraterrestrials, but their energy is like we see gold beings, but these were light blue beings. But I can't think of them. It was about a psychic woman that wrote signs and things. And uh, anyway, do you remember what I'm talking about? Let me see if I can find Nicholas Cage. Yeah, it, it's, it, sound, it sounds you familiar. Know but you know sounds the beings. You speak the blue ET beings, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen you know blue beings. I've seen green beings. I've seen the tall whites, and I've seen the, the tall, even taller golds. But I don't necessarily attribute the tall whites Them being. to being well, ETs Nicholas, all the time. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. obviously, they're, uh, they're spiritual entities from other dimensions. That's obvious. Okay? Now, whether, whether they conformed to having bodies, then yes, I would say that they were extraterrestrials because naturally extraterrestrials have bodies that conform to other planets and other realities and other universes and so forth, uh, that, you know, those bodies would be required in order to exist in harmony with the environment from which they have gone on a ship and in turn transported themselves here. Uh, then, of course, there's... Uh, uh, the knowing, that's oh, what it was, knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G. Yeah. Yeah, okay. knowing. It's... And it had the blue beings in it, I'm pretty sure, because Nicolas Cage won't say what his religious beliefs are to anybody, So, uh, but he was risking it. He's very, very open-minded. He's very open-minded yeah. in a lot of regards. He won't get caught up in, a, in, a, in a new, you know, trying to get – but uh, the movie Knowing, uh, it was – that. That was the one I'm talking about because we keep seeing those beings over and over again online, knowing the full movie definition. Let's see if this is it. I'm pretty sure. Well, you know but, what I'm I mean, talking about, folks. Yeah, right? and, and I mean you have, you have a subculture too that's developed over time. I mean you know it started out back in the 60s with board games where there was all kinds of role play going on, and then eventually it transited into – 
cyberspace regarding video games, which uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, was a good example of that. And then in turn, as you have said, that it is transited on, and basically the video games now take part of all of the various, uh, oh, let's see, belief systems to a degree. Uh, you would say uh, all kinds of different areas of uh, myth, all kinds of different areas of magic, all kinds of different areas of historical genres in regards to uh, gaming, but it's being done in cyberspace rather than on a board game. And, of course, you can actually create teams, and the teams can uh, transit against each other, you know, play against each other and all this kind of thing. But it is interesting from the aspect being that, of course, they are acknowledging that there are ghosts and that there are entities and that there are extraterrestrials and that there are wizards and there are witches and there are shamans and all kinds of magical creatures and all kinds of magical beings. And all of these have transited into cyberspace because they have all been made pieces and parts of video applications. I think it's, it's, it's ironic in a way because it parallels a lot of what has been historically passed down to lore and myth heritage-wise has now been made into uh, cyberspace applications, which are games, because like you were saying, you know, they have the Wanderer and they have uh, Phantasm and they have a number, uh, a no there's so many apps out there right now, I couldn't even name even a half a dozen of them. Uh, I, I, they are very intriguing. And yes, one can get caught up in them very, very easily. I mean, you can sit here and go into a, a video app, you know, a game, uh, a cyberspace game, and you can spend hours at the cyberspace game completely aside from any and everything that's going on in regular reality. In other words, it just completely sucks you in and you become a character and you can make all kinds of different uh, characteristics that this particular character has, you know, whether it's uh, psychic abilities, magical abilities, all these kind of different things. And I do find it interesting because it's like taking metaphysics and taking uh, magic and taking a number of other things, uh, lore-wise and historically and heritage-wise, and combining them all together and putting them into a visual application where you can actually interplay in a game. Well, are ghosts saying? in the Bible? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Are there both? It says, uh, what does the Bible say about ghosts? Trending faith about are ghosts real? So is there such things as ghosts? They say precisely is meant by ghosts, spirit beings. So God mm -hmm. and the paranormal <laughs> afterlife. They call it the well, afterlife. So yep. uh, ghosts are real if you believe in the Bible. And what does it say in the King James Version? Well, I guess you'll have to read it. But it says, uh, what does the Bible say about ghosts was in Relevant Magazine. Uh, it says, by what about ghosts? Uh, when somebody says he's petrified of ghosts, right? What are you supposed to do? Well, they have ghost hunters, ghost adventures, paranormal states, 
And so the ghost in the Bible, I don't, I'm trying to look to see. It says ghost in the Bible, as evangelical experts say, Christian worldview for ghost hunting, two points. Denominations agree. Spirit is not God. The Bible repeatedly and firmly condemns sinking out the dead. So, secondly, diabolical spirits can take on kindly appearances. Oh, that's why sure. I say devil gives the hints, because King James, or it says later James pointed out that to believe is to allow for the possibility of ghosts. But he said the soul may sleep and enter a holding place until judgment day, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, and Matthew 26, 31 through 46. Okay, but okay. Jehovah Witness and Seventh-day Adventist on ghosts say the soul sleeps. But theologically, philosophically, your soul could be out roaming around. So back to what are we as human spirits when we're wandering the earth? They don't really say that you're ghosts. Now, Catholic theologians say that once you're deceased, you're deceased. But you can go through a purgatory, uh, another place. Right down there. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get all up. I don't want to get all up into religion, you know. Well, we're out of we're out uh, of time anyway. <laughs> it's good. an Elijah and Moses. That's a that's a good yeah, thing. A, <laughs> traditional uh, thinking about whether there's ghosts or not in the Bible, but apparently there are, folks. So if you believe in God, you believe in Christ. Nothing can harm you. So demonic spirits go away. Boo, bye, boo. That's why we say, boo, go away, Holy Spirit, <laughs> evil Holy Spirit. All uh, right, so uh, we're uh, out of time, and Richard doesn't want to talk about politics or religion. <laughs> not on a Thursday, no. Very this is sick. paranormal Thursday. <laughs> I know. Paranormal it's Thursday. Paranormal. I like that. Paranormal, so, folks, we'll do this yes. some more. We'll do this some more with a bunch of topics, basically the same thing. Uh, come on out for Halloween and share your stories with us. Uh, you can get in touch with Teresa J. Morris or TJ Morris CT Radio on Facebook, but I don't go on there very often, so you'll just have to email me at Gmail. So it's real easy, TJ Morris Agency at gmail.com. If you like what we do here, we've got a paypal.me at TJMarcyT Radio, so it's paypal.me forward slash TJMarcyT Radio. If you'd like to send five bucks our way, we'd appreciate it. To Richard T. Knight at Gmail or Teresa J. Marcy. Knight, RT Knight 35 at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, RT yes. Knight 35 at Gmail. And there is no Richard here. Knight at Gmail. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we better make you one in case I misspeak speak again. So RT Knight thirty five at Gmail is Richard T Knight. Now on Sundays he comes back wearing a pastor hat. It's sort of like the hat at uh, Dumbledore. Uh, what do they call it? Slytherin. All the different schools uh, where Harry yes, Potter. Harry went. Potter. <laughs> Hogwarts. Hogwarts. How could I forget that? Oh my yes, God. the Wizarding School so, of Hogwarts. Sundays is church uh, spiritual day so all of you come out and listen to our talks on how to be a good spirit while you're saving your soul 
<laughs> All right, we're out of time, Richard. Good so man. love and light. You All did right. a good job. You handled. I think people enjoyed it. I did. I really did. I, I wished it was longer, but next week we'll be back. So join us then. Yep. Thank you, Richard. See you Sunday. You did a good job. Y'all watch Ghost right, tonight. Man. Okay, Richard. Okay. Watch Ghost. Oh yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you.